Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 93 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, live from the shores of South Lake Union, and I'm Don, live from Queen Anne Mountain. Everything you can find is at ronanddon.com, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we got a lot to talk about here, including the fact when you talk about the 19, can the 19 get attached to your clothes, get attached to your books? get attached to your groceries? What about our shoes? What about our pants? What about when we're out running, jogging, flying a kite, walking the dog? Uh, some really outstanding research that we want to share with you. Uh, and I also think it'll alleviate some of the anxiety uh, that a lot of people are feeling right now. Also, we're going to hit some of the headlines. What happens when 10 nurses decide, you know what? We're not walking inside that patient's door unless you hand over the 95 masks right now. There were 10 nurses that did that down in California, and we'll talk about that. Uh, before we get to that, let's get to this. Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, what, what is your take? Uh, Bill Gates, I was watching something, I, and I'm always late to everything on Netflix. I was watching something on Netflix that I understand has been out for a while. It's a three-part series on Bill Gates and Bill's brain. And for those that haven't seen the series, uh, it kind of walks you through the Microsoft years, the connection with Paul Allen, the disconnection with Paul Allen, what happened when Paul died. Did they see each other? Were they talking at the time? Then in comes Balmer and the connection that Balmer and Gates had. And Paul Allen felt like he was on the outside looking in. And then we learn about his engagement to uh, Melinda. And then we also learn about what it was like to raise kids as the richest man in the world. And then we get into something that is extraordinary. We start talking about philanthropy. And Ron, at the end of the series, and I don't think I'm giving anything away, uh, they, they go on a walk with him. And this, was, uh, this series took two years to put together. And as they're walking, instead of going over Bill's successes, they go over his failures. And one thing that could be considered a failure is the fact that he has tried to create uh, nuclear energy uh, and a nuclear plant that would be safe. He tried to build those in China. The Trump administration and China evidently aren't getting along right now. And so after working for this problem for 10 years, he's been unable to build this nuclear power plant that he would love to build. Also, when it comes to polio, wants to eradicate it 100%. He spent billions of dollars on it. And guess what? There were 33 cases as of last year. So it hasn't been eradicated yet. And then when it comes to this virus, he has come out and said that he currently is working on building seven factories. Some of these factories might never get used, but he said we have to build the factories now in order to prepare ourselves uh, to treat people around the globe, 8 billion people. So there's a possibility you might need these factories. I think this is what's interesting. Uh, I shared a, a post about Bill's brain. And uh, the fact that I was really rooting for him, I think it was last night. And then people started coming at me, talking about Bill and Melinda Gates, the Gates Foundation, how they must be investigated, the malpractice and crimes against humanity. A lot of people think that he and Melinda have introduced this virus to the world so then they could come out and they could bring a cure to the world and pad their pockets as a result of this. The amazing thing to me, Ron, is there's a lot of people that are taking a bite out of this apple and they believe this to be true. It's all over social media right now. What say you? 
Yeah, this the 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 whole allure of these conspiracy theories is really interesting because if you if you if you sort of follow that logic, the, the it's, it seems to be. What I always try to do is go like, okay, what are these people thinking? Like, what's the line that is making sense and has all this uh, stickiness to it? It seems to be that okay, Bill Gates wants to make money off of health issues or off of, you know, providing a cure to something that he created. Why, why would that make sense when he already had one of the most profitable businesses in the world? If this was just about money, Bill Gates could stay at my, could have stayed at Microsoft and not paid Satya Nadelli or not paid Bill Steve Ballmer. He could have just stayed there and increased his wealth that way. People, there would have been no reason to make a foundation if he just wanted to have the money. You know, there are other billionaires in the world, and I'm trying to remember his name. You don't remember it because you were just down in Hawaii relatively recently. There's a billionaire that bought an entire island uh, in Hawaii, and he has this 9,000-foot yacht and helicopters that land on his boat. I mean, it's just an obscene display of wealth. Um, he doesn't have a foundation. He doesn't, it's the guy from, uh, he'll help me with his name, Don, but uh, another tech guy. And so he has no desire to be a philanthropist. And like if that guy introduced, was an evil genius, maybe I might believe you or be more readily believe you. But Bill Gates uh, forming these foundations, uh, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I think people are very insecure they want to find some sort of tidy story that uh, helps them tie together these loose ends. And so they they want there to be a villain. They want there to be uh, an easy way to explain why this happened. Because the alternative is random things can happen and just decimate huge populations of the world. And that's very disconcerting. So it's easier to go, oh, there must be an architect to this whole thing let me find what it is and oh I, it's easy to spend time it, it, it occupies your time and your mental horsepower to unravel these quote-unquote conspiracies instead of just accepting the hard truth it's like yeah this could just be a random virus that jumped into humans and that's really scary and really insecure yeah. Uh, and Larry Ellison, I think. Larry Ellison, yes. Spent $300 million uh, on a Hawaiian island. And I imagine if you're Larry and you're on that island right now, you're probably doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to be honest. I've been walking around all morning naked at my house because it's a Sunday. I'm here alone. And, and then for whatever reason, I felt like I had to get dressed because I was going to be on with Ron. So... I threw a shirt on, but I said, you know what? I'm going to keep rocking the towel. So I got a towel going. I got a shirt going. I threw my sunglasses on because we got some sun coming through the windows right now. Some sun on a Sunday, which I love. And then also, uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but it's one of the first days I'm not wearing my hat when we're broadcasting. Uh, I, did, I did a little hair work. Can you, nice. can you tell? Yeah, so I did you, a little hair work. I noticed that. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've been doing my own haircuts. I, I did, I think, six or seven during Katrina. I cut my own hair for six months after that. So I said, you know what? What the heck? Uh, we all have to bear down a little bit right now, take care of ourselves, uh, and also save a little money. And as a result of that, uh, I guess cutting hair is not an essential service, but I did go buy a bikini barista 
uh, hut yesterday when we were in Puyallup, and it seems like that is still an essential service. It is, Why? The baristas are an essential service, Don. Uh, of yeah, course. and just a sidebar here. Ron and I were down in Puyallup, and you know we're licensed brokers with Windermere, so we're bringing on a property uh, down in Puyallup. And to me, Puyallup has not gotten the message. Puyallup's business as usual. Is in Washington State because it was bumper to bumper cars. Everybody's out in Puyallup. You could not tell uh, that there was some kind of pandemic going on. Nobody had a mask on. Nobody's wearing gloves. Seems like all the businesses are open, including the bikini baristas. And I can't get a damn haircut anywhere. I'm telling you what, I started looking down at Puyallup to see if I could get a haircut somewhere. And what I'm thinking is if we had some bikini baristas out there, Ron, that were actually cutting hair too. Uh, that might be something. Now there's a drive-through uh, that I'm hut. interested in. A yeah. drive-through might- bikini barista slash haircut uh, hut would probably be gangbusters right now. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Uh, we come back. I'm quarantined uh, with myself right now. Ron's quarantined with himself. Uh, it's you're not going to believe who Bruce Willis though is in quarantine with. It's a shocker. It is a stone cold shocker. Also. What about the one world together at home, but we're not at home. We're at Keith Richards' home, but we're pretending to be in four different homes so that we can perform acoustically. And you see Mick Jagger saying, you can't always get what you want. He's 92 years old. And <laughs> wow, did he sound fantastic. I didn't even know he could play the guitar like that. So let's come back, talk about the one world together at home, together apart, apart, together. I get a little confused about that. It seems like some of the artists do too at home because they're sitting at home, they're having a beer or two, and then everybody is supposed to say we're one world together apart. Uh, And I don't even know what that means. I feel very confused by that. So I'm Don. I'm in a towel. I got my sunglasses on. It's a sunny Sunday. We're recording. This will drop and we'll drop it like it's hot. On a Monday, and Ron, you're you're fully dressed today, aren't you? I am fully dressed. Uh, same clothes as yesterday, though. I just pick right. them up off the floor, put yeah. them right back on. I love it. All right, don't go anywhere. Ron and Don, live from the Les Schwab Studios, just getting started. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, now a word from Les Schwab. Uh, right now, quote: We're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, our employees, and our communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we have increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store, and we have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines and coffee service as an extra precaution. For those who have to keep moving in order to support our communities or to get the support that they need, we are committed to staying open as long as we can and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials, like so many. There's so many businesses. We continually are monitoring the situation and we're evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and our communities. So don't forget, you guys, Les Schwab. They've been in the community for a long time, since 1952. And I can tell you, in being one of their spokesmen for the last 12 years, this is where Les Schwab really leans in and they really help. So if you're listening to this and you're out in a delivery truck right now, or if you're out in a semi, an 18, whatever it is, There is a Les Schwab near you, so make sure you pick up the phone, you give them a call, or find one just right on your smart device at LesSchwab.com. That's LesSchwab.com. Doing the right thing. You know it matters. All right, you guys. Welcome back to Ron and Don Show. It's episode number 93. Don't forget, everything is at RonandDon.com, and we are licensed brokers at Windermere. We are meeting with a lot of people right now. Uh, We're just Zooming with them. 
And we're working with a lot of our clients and we're doing it virtually online. So if you have questions about buying, selling, maybe have a piece of real estate right now. And the best thing to do would be to hang on to that piece of real estate. We call it buying and holding. Uh, if you need some help with buying and holding, reach out to us. You can write Ron, Ron at windermere.com and Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Ron, I'm going to hit you with some me, headlines. Let me give you a little reenactment of most of our Zoom calls. Can you hear me? Is this on? <laughs> can, you, can you see me? Can yeah. I, where, can you hear me now? Is it, yeah. is my camera working? Can you get, Don? Yeah. Can you hear me? That's about, that's the first 15 minutes of every Zoom call. Uh, and then we get down to business. This is true. Uh, Bruce Willis is remarried. I think he has eight children now. Uh, Demi Moore wrote a book about him, and she actually said really nice things about him before she took a dump all over Ashton Kutcher. I hope she had toilet paper because <laughs> it was a huge dump that she took on him. Uh, and evidently, uh, Bruce Willis, because I saw him in his pajamas, and I'm like, those look familiar. And then I looked at another picture of Demi Moore, and they seem to be in the same pajamas. And right. then and then there were a group of like four kids that I think he had with Demi, and they're all in their pajamas. They're quarantined together. And then Bruce's wife, who is somewhere else with two of his little kids, they're not quarantining with him. So what is going on here with Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, or Demi, as some like to say, and Ron? Does that make you a little uncomfortable? Some people say the reason why he's doing that is because Demi Moore is back on the wagon and he has always been very supportive of her and he's doing that to support her, which I can appreciate. Can't you just support her with a phone call? And I, I think you should be, and again, I don't want to be judgy here, but I would think you'd be hanging out with your wife and your other little kids that you just brought in the world because the big kids are all grown up. What is your take on this? Yeah, this is, uh, for, let me just have a disclaimer straight out of the gate. I really have always struggled to try and understand these celebrity relationships and celebrity couples. Even like when you talked about, you know, Goop um, and Chris Martin trying to like uncoupling and con convenient parenting. I, I even forget what all the terms are. So this one, it does seem really odd to me that you're married with kids but you're not. But you're staying with your ex. I've read. I've read the articles, and they try to explain why, and it's very unsatisfying. It appears to be just that that's what they wanted to do. That they they just kind of did it, and that they're friends, and that the new wife is okay with it because they've they've been very supportive of each other over the years. I, on the one hand, good for them. Like maybe it's possible to marry somebody and then get a divorce and stay very close friends. Uh, I don't know many people that are that way. Like most of the people I know that got divorced don't want to remain friends with their act. Like the reason why they separated is because they didn't want to be friends with them anymore. But so, I mean, I guess good for them that if they have this thing, this connection, and maybe that's, you're right, though, because there was the Ashton Kutcher era in between. So maybe they're circled back around and realized that we are good friends. We just weren't good spouses. Yeah, you'd think so during quarantine. After that buffer people. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think during a quarantine, though, you'd be with your current people and not, not the people from the past. I agree. 
But Absolutely. nonetheless, his current wife seems to be okay with it, so it's really none of our business. We just made it our business. Another headline here, uh, 10 women, uh, female nurses uh, down in California, uh, they stood outside a patient's door as COVID-19. They told the hospital, we are not going in without 95 masks. They gave them surgical masks. They told them to go in. They said, we're not going in. As a result of that, these 10 nurses have now have been suspended. They have been suspended with pay, and they said, you know what? We're not coming back until you have the 95 masks. Uh, Ron, what do you say about these nurses? Because at the end of the day, I mean, medicine is really about taking care of other people. But my thought is you can't take care of other people when you get sick yourself. And that's what's happened with a lot of healthcare workers overexposed. They don't have the right gear. You have the president coming out and saying there's not a gear shortage. Yes, there is a gear shortage. And we find that out just by reading this story down in California today. I'm a thousand percent on the side of the nurses on this. Administrators that are pretending to know uh how how contagious covid is or that what what particular material is going to stop it or not they're full of crap they don't know they there hasn't been any peer reviewed studies on the effectiveness of of non n95 masks we're not even 100% sure that the n95 mask is effective so i, I would think and and i'm not trying to be an alarmist there but this is a new strain of virus this is a new uh, situation, and we're basing these claims off of other infectious diseases. So when you saw people going to deal with Ebola, they weren't wearing N95 masks. They were in full body suits, and they had to go through a Clorox spray booth every time they came in and out of a facility with an Ebola patient. So is this COVID more like Ebola or is it more like the household common flu? I don't know. And, and the jury seems to be out on that. So no, I don't, I don't fault these nurses at all. They should be given the maximum protective gear that they want uh, if they are going in and out. I, like I, if I was a nurse right now, I've seen some pictures. A friend of ours had COVID and was here locally. Those healthcare workers that were attending to him had the full like spacesuit outfit on. They had that entire head covered with a plastic mask, uh, not just wearing an N95 mask. So uh, I would think if I was a nurse or married to a nurse or a friend of a nurse, I would tell them, demand the maximum safety equipment that you need to feel comfortable doing your work. Yeah, I think this is an interesting story, and this just came out a few days ago. Uh, and this is back in the Midwest. There, a wife... Uh, and her husband are sitting down, they're having dinner. She's a doctor and she's been in and out of these emergency rooms. She explains to him the problem with the 95 masks. You can only wear it once, then it's contaminated. And she said, we we're running out. We don't have enough 95 masks. He said, you know what? Let me look at that 95 mask. He's an engineer. And what he does is he actually works for the United States government decontaminating uh, pieces of military gear that have been contaminated so that they can use that gear again. He ends up building a chamber uh, along with some other engineers that he knows at his uh, workplace. The chamber that they create is, I think you just heard my neighbor start up his Corvette. The, 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 usually that happens at three in the morning, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, so anyway, here in Seattle and in other cities right now, they have created chambers the chamber that he created and they basically have done it out of a shipping crate 
And they said this chamber that he was able to build, you could take the 95 mask, you could put that 95 mask in there, 195 mask, 20 times, and you could use that over and over and over again. What Seattle hospitals are doing now is they're taking their dirty 95 masks, they're sending them to this chamber in Seattle, and they are treating these masks. It takes about a 24-hour period. Then they pull the mask back out, and they're able to wear them again. You have multiple hospitals right now that are doing this. This happened, Ron, from an engineer sitting down with his wife, who's a doctor. And the next thing you know, two weeks later, in five major areas around the country, like in New Jersey and New York, where we're really seeing the, the, the virus spread, they've created these chambers out of shipping containers. That's a really amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great story. There was another one here locally of a guy that had an idea of like, why don't we put the healthcare worker inside the bubble with some gloves out that reach out, a little arm containers. And so the patient that is sick goes to the outside. So in other words, bring, contain the healthcare worker in the, in the, uncontaminated area and then have the contaminated area be on the outside i don't know if you saw that article similar i think sort of line but people are coming up with creative uses i also follow a lot of uh like makers on youtube channels and you do see people that have cnc machines and 3d printers and you know there's a lot of these consumer grade machines like that or computer controlled that have activated them to make masks and to make mm. face shields and to make parts. A Tesla put out a video recently of their engineers using components from Tesla's reconfigured to make ventilators. And there's a, there's a lot of really smart people that are, are doing that. And it just comes back to me. You mentioned earlier in segment one about Bill Gates building some factories around the world. I think it, the United States for the security going forward, forward needs to uh, look into in factories to manufacture medical equipment, uh, PPE, medications uh, for another situation like this. The fact that our supply chain for uh, necessary medical equipment and also protective equipment goes through China is I understand why it happened, but we should not allow it. I think it's a matter of national security to have our own uh, things inside the United States where when times of crisis happens, where we are able to protect healthcare workers, like you just said. And so put these factories, like reboot some of these factories that have moved out of the United States. So you and I lived in Michigan for a while. There's all kinds of factory, big buildings that used to make auto parts, used to make door parts, used to make lifesavers that are now vacant, basically. Take those factories, employ local workers, and have them make these particular pieces of safety gear. I think it's a no-brainer right now. Uh, that we should that should be a part of the next wave of recovery. You're not going to leave the name of this song. Satisfaction. <laughs> You know what? That's four of the Rolling Stones. And man, I got to give them all the credit in the world because people can make old jokes about these guys. But I tell you what, I was stunned by them over the weekend uh, when I saw this concert 
And I have really enjoyed the concerts. Like there's been some country concerts, Garth Brooks with his wife, typically on Mondays, they do an all request show on Facebook and they broke Facebook because over 5 million people tuned in. And so one of the big networks stepped in and they said, you know what, let's just, let's do what you were doing on Facebook. So it's, it's he and Trisha Yearwood. They're in his studio. You can tell he's in his element. He is giddy. He is fun. He is funny. You can see the connection that they have. They do some of her songs and he sings background and plays guitar and then they switch it up. And then people are, are, are asking for cover songs. And you see, you see when, when you take the band away, you see the greatness of a Garth Brooks. You see the greatness of a Tr- Trisha Yearwood. When the Stones played in this worldwide concert and you saw everyone from Elton John to the Stones and Beyonce, when it just started out, and it, it's, 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 Keith, it, it's Keith Richards uh, sitting over there and, and kind of playing the guitar. I, he's kind of playing it, but there's actually there's some music that's coming out. And then Mick Jagger. I didn't even know that he played guitar. And he's having to kind of overplay a little bit to make up for the playing that Keith Richards is not really doing because he's over there. He strums about every eighth note. You just you, you see him hit it and he strums. And they bring each band member on separately, and then they build this crescendo of that song. And I have to say, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. And you, you, you could see the Stones in their talent in the younger days of what it must have been like to sit on a tour bus with them, or what it must have been like to be on an airplane, or what it must have been like backstage. It's kind of the way that you feel when you see these artists and they are all stripped down, and you're like, frickin' A, man. I knew that Elton John was great. Elton John is freaking great. So I've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed these artists. I've enjoyed their music. I think it's something that we've needed. And pleasantly, it sounds pretty good coming through your computer uh, or through your TV screen. So what, what is your take as artists now, Ron, are, are basically uh, jumping online all hours of the day, uh, and they're sharing their music right now with the world? It's been a lot of fun. Like I saw, I watched some with Alicia Keys and she's like, she's got small kids in the house. And so yeah. it's like every other Zoom call you've seen, like a kid will walk in. Mom! <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah. honey, I'm doing a concert for like 50,000 people right now. Mommy will yeah. be there in a minute. Uh, she's okay. been great. Uh, Chris Martin's been fun from, uh, from Coldplay has done some things and uh, Death Cab for Cutie has been playing a daily. Um, it, I, I think it's, it's really great for the, the creative community to uh, give back in a sense. And I mentioned before, one of the biggest ones of this was when John Krasinski got together the cast of, uh, of Hamilton and they did some numbers over zoom. So it's, I, I love it. Like, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And you're right. You can really tell, uh, the people that know how to perform without all the bells and whistles, that if you have that foundation of like, okay, I'm just, it's just going to be me and a microphone. Here we go. The other thing that's interesting that you bring up, some of these people's home studios are yeah. incredible. Totally. Holy yeah. cow. Like they could produce yeah. an entire album in there. It's, they it's probably do. Yeah, they probably do. It's really great. Yeah. Really, really great. Let's do this. We come back some more headlines and we'll finish up. What do you do with two thirds of the world's jetliners? Think about this. The United States, 2.1 million people travel every day. 
just in the States, it's down to 146,000. Some of those jets are still flying because they carry cargo and yet there's no one aboard. The government has now stepped in and they're going to help. At the same time, what do you do with what do you do with 16,000 jets? And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. What do we do with 16,000 jets? We're going to talk about that. Also, how come women, women have become really the essential workers in all this? And before we get out of here, uh, when it comes to the 19th, you have to worry about it. Say you go to the store. Now it's on my clothes. It's in my books, my groceries. It's in my car. It's on my shoes. Now it's in my house. They got to wash my hair. What do I do about that? Uh, some good research on that. And then I have some final thoughts I want to share with you guys about Bill Gates. All right. He's Ron. I'm Don. It's the Ron and Don radio show. We are episode 93. And don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. We do something called a Ron and Don sit down. So if you're ready to sit down, reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. And let's talk about the real estate market here in the Pacific Northwest. Because guys, you know what? It's actually pretty good. The real estate market right now is actually pretty good and pretty sound. And uh, we can share more about that. So again, reach out to Ron, ron at windermere.com. It's the Ron and Don Show. We will see you on the other side of this live from the Les Schwab Studios. Hey, Ron and Don here for Les Schwab, and they sent us this message. The safety of the customers of Les Schwab and its employees is a top priority. We're committed to staying open to provide necessary services to our customers, particularly those we all rely on for essential services and who cannot self-isolate as long as we can and as long as it aligns with guidance from local health officials. We're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, employees, and communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store and have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines in coffee service as an extra precaution. Anyone who's had an unexpected flat tire, brake trouble, or a dead battery knows why our customers depend on us to help ensure their vehicle is safe and reliable, even during these unusual times. We want to thank our store employees who remain dedicated to helping our community get where they need to go. For those of you who have to keep moving in order to to support our communities or to get the support they need, we're committed to staying open as long as we can and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials. Like so many other businesses, we're continually monitoring the situation and evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and communities. Hey, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. What do you do with 16,000 jets? And a lot of times they'll take these jets, strip them down, they'll mothball them. But this is really on. Un- Unusual because the airline industry has never prepared for this. They have never prepared for taking jets from their fleet, taking them out of service, knowing that they may have to place these back in service in the next six to 12 months. I thought you just go park them out in a field and throw a tarp over them and call it good. They can't do that. In fact, they have to make sure that number one, that they take these jets to a very arid area of the world and a very dry area because of what moisture and humidity can do into the internal workings of a jet when that thing's not working and that thing's not flying. They have to start these jets up every day. They have to go through the hydraulics of the jet, even when it's not flying, every 24 to 48 hours. They consistently have to clean the jets on the inside. They have to consistently clean them on the outside. And then you have to find a place to park them. 
In some parts of the globe right now, they are charging airlines $1,000 a day to park a jet, which will cost airlines hundreds of millions of dollars when this thing is all said and done. And what they've also had to do is figure out, how do we park these things? Because you can't park them out in a field somewhere. So you have 16,000 jets around the world right now, Ron, that are parked wing to wing, nose to nose, tail to tail. And I didn't realize how much work, and they say, it may take more work right now to maintain these jets on the ground, more work than if they were actually flying, including the fact that they have to be full of aviation fuel because of what wind and wind shear can do to a jet that's just sitting on the ground. Ron, I found that fascinating. You love to travel a lot. That's an incredible story, isn't it? It, it is. And actually, have one of my very best friends is a uh, an airline mechanic for one of the big companies. I won't tell you which one, but uh, and he supervises a lot of these shifts. And he's telling me, he's like, Ron, I send my guys out. They go through everything you just said. Like, And then he's the one that has to sign off on... Uh, on your work. So in other words, the way that they, they have these things set up is if, if you had to replace a part on a plane, you would, I would assign it to you, you would go do it, and then I would have to come inspect it and then sign off. And so the responsibility would end with me. It's like I, I verified that that repair was done correctly. Um, but so he's sending guys out. They'll go through the whole maintenance thing that you just said for a plane that hasn't moved. Yeah. And then he comes back the next day and they do it all over again. And so he's sitting there paying these guys. They're getting their full salary, full benefits. They show up for work. And he's like, I don't know if they did anything. I've got all of these planes. Like, it's the exact same thing that we did yesterday. Like, how am I supposed to tell whether yeah. or not they did anything? Because right. it's the same exact thing that we did yesterday. And so he's, right. work. he's being a supervisor. Uh, like they go back to the clubhouse and like everybody's, you know, doing their thing and trying to stay six feet apart. But um, yeah. yeah, it's really, really bizarre. They have tried to use some commercial planes to be cargo planes to varying degrees of success. You know, obviously yeah. in a true cargo plane, they're palletized in that sort of cylindrical way and you can drive them, you know, you can really pack in the cargo because it's shaped correctly. Uh, for a, a passenger plane, they have to try to package it to fit in the seats in the aisles and then yeah. strap things down. So they have deployed some, some of that. But I, I was thinking the other day, like which industry may not make it out of this uh, I think the airlines bounce back. I think the restaurant industry bounces back. They will be different. I think that the movie theaters and cruise ships, uh, to me, seem to be the ones that just may not come back. Yeah. Like If they do, it'll be very extremely niche and be totally different. I, I could see a scenario where movie theaters, uh, where you pay $49 a ticket, to go in and and you have a six foot radius around you where a movie theater would have that that could seat yeah. five hundred people now seats a hundred people yeah. uh, and, and you just pay more. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to all the women in our audience. And one thing that news talkers could never figure out across the country, uh, and there's a lot of shows that mimicked our show when we were on because because a lot of shows around the country. Uh, they took a lot of phone calls. They were left wing, right wing. They weren't friendly to women. Uh, in fact, a lot of times you would bash women. 
Uh, and then, and you'd see that, ref- it, and it would be reflective in the people that would work. It would be all men on the air, and then it would be women in supportive roles. And when we went to terrestrial radio, we really tried to create a group of people. So it wasn't just Ron and myself, but we had other people that were uh, uh, intricate part of our radio show. People like Rachel Bell, for instance, or Libby Dankman. Uh, they were a big part because they brought so much to the table. And they were great, great storytellers, sometimes better storytellers uh, than we were. I think what's kind of what's kind of interesting is when we look at history and we even look at our broadcast careers in the way that World War I or World War II was broadcast and who was sharing those stories. It was mostly men that were telling those stories. And one of the reasons why it's mostly men is because we live in a chauvinistic society, in my opinion because women are supposed to stay home. And that's when African-Americans weren't smart enough to fly a plane. And that here comes the Tuskegee airmen uh, turned on all that upside down. And we've seen what women have been able to do in the workplace when they're given an opportunity. Most of the time though, it's men going out to fight war and then it's women coming in to support, right? World War II, Rosie Rivet, uh, 70% of the workers in the factories were women and African-Americans as men went off to war. And then when those workers came back, those women were displaced and they were placed back in the home, right? Placed back in the home because that's where you belong. We're back from war. You belong in them. What's incredible about this life-changing worldwide event, one in three workers, one in three caregivers, one in three humans that are on the front lines right now, uh, one in three one in three are men. Two thirds of those on the front line fighting this virus are women, Ron. Almost 80% of our healthcare workers are all women. And I think it's incredible that you have these women that are on the front lines. And then when they go home, they're still raising a family. They're still taking care of kids. Maybe they're partnered up. Maybe they're not. It is really astonishing. What a great job women are doing out there. And I will even mention the women that I've worked with. Ming Ming and the Refugee Artist Initiative, once again, this morning, for the second Sunday in a row, on the front page of the Seattle Times, a week ago, telling you, hey, we're making these masks and we're dropping these off to places like in Bellingham or to the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. And then they're in the paper this week showing people step by step. There's Ming Ming and her workers, and, they, and they're all women, and they are taking us through the step-by-step process of how to build a mask for yourself, your family, your kids. It's, it's, it's extraordinary, Ron. The, the, and, and I hope history gets this right. It's extraordinary what women are doing right now. I, I could not agree with you more, and that's why the story that you talked about at the top of this episode is so infuriating. Where it was probably, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stereotypical here. It was probably some male administrator in the corner office uh, telling these female workers, "We're not going to give you the proper mass. You go in there and take care of those patients that are positive COVID nineteen." And it could have been a female administrator, but most likely the hospital admins are male and they're looking down their nose uh, at a female and they're not the ones going into the room, but they're telling somebody else, oh yeah, I know what's best. 
wear this mask that's just a surgical mask. You'll be fine. Go in there and take care of one of these people that is actively fighting COVID and is extremely contagious. Screw that. Like you, you come out of your office and go down the hall and go in there if you're so confident in that mask. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And kudos to these brave women that are working day in and day out. And when you and I went to hospital up in Everett, when this was a couple of weeks ago now, to deliver masks, every single person at that station was a woman. There was one man who was walking us around, but he was not actively nursing. Uh, everybody else on that entire floor, at least that I remember, were all women, every single one of them. And uh, it is a testament that I think needs to be shined a light on. So kudos to, to you for pointing that out, because it is true, and they do deserve high praise. Yeah, final story here. A lot of people are concerned about the virus, and there's a really good article out, uh, Ron, that I sent to you. I don't know if you had a chance to to read it, but a lot of people are concerned. When I go to the store and I'm coming home to my family, and I've been concerned about this, am I bringing the virus home to my son? Am I bringing the virus home to my dog? Can it be transmitted by a dog? Uh, We heard about one tiger around the world. There's been some kind of transmission. Uh, People are concerned, do I wash my shoes every day? I have three pairs of shoes that are in the washer right now. In fact, you told me before we started here, like, dude, I think I hear your washer going upstairs. And that was me uh, uh, cleaning my shoes. When it it comes to this particular virus, uh, we're worried about our hair. We're worried about our clothes. There's some good news today because it says basically when you are outside and man, we all need to get outside, right? You need to get that vitamin D in your life. We have to get outside. Uh, The chances of the virus just jumping from a person and onto you and somehow uh, uh, infecting you becomes very, it's very, very rare. Uh, The chances of you going to the store and shopping and then coming home and having the virus in your hair or your beard or somewhere on your clothes or your shoes, do you have to immediately wash those? Experts are saying no. They say where this transmission happens is in really close quarters. We've seen this with healthcare workers that get exposed over and over and over again, and then bam, uh, they get infected by this. It's one of the reasons why in, 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 in places around the globe where they have practiced social distancing, where they haven't allowed sporting events in big auditoriums, where they haven't allowed kids to congregate back at school or the university. It's one of the reasons why they say social distancing is working. I am still feeling from a lot of people, Ron, a lot of fear. And I've had those fears too. And actually sitting down this week and trying to educate myself a little bit more about this virus and how I could possibly, because I'm worried about transmitting it to somebody else, and specifically my kiddo, or my dog, or to you, uh, I was comforted in, in doing some of the research this week and knowing that, hey, when you get outside, the chances of transmission, as long as you're social distancing, even if you're on a run down a trail and you pass somebody, you should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's all good information. And I think also, again, I've railed on this a couple times, but if you're running, let's say, I saw a bunch of runners today uh, when I, I was out. Um, I think if you're not wearing a mask, you're the one that needs to get out of the path. 
right? So it's like if, if, if you are walking or running or you're out in public uh, at the grocery store, wherever, and you have chosen to not wear a mask or gloves, then I believe and I think it should be up to you to you, you get six feet away. You extricate yourself from the sidewalk. You go out into the street because I'm seeing people that are, are choosing to not mask up and they're strolling down the middle of the street or strolling down the middle of the aisle at the grocery store. And it, at this point, it's making me angry. It's like this is now common knowledge that you it's recommended by the CDC. And, and may, I guess I'm going, okay, is there room for someone to not have known? Or maybe they, you know, listened to a specific news station that was touting that this that you didn't need it. I think enough time has elapsed now to where you should be wearing this stuff. And then I'm assuming that when you do get home, like I do from the grocery store or something, that you immediately wash your hands uh, and do the 20-second thing because you have been out touching food items or touching cans or touching your bags uh, when you went out to the grocery store. So like that hygiene stuff is still very important, but am I off my rocker there that like, if you've, if you're choosing to not be protective, then you should go out of your way to be out of the way. You know, you, you know where I don't get upset. And this is the reason why I don't get upset with people because the information that has come out has been so confusing uh, and you, you and I follow this rather closely just because of our, uh, because of our, our news talk background. And then also, cause we're doing this podcast and we want to sound so much, somewhat educated on what we're talking about. But, but think about this, think about the message that just came down this week. You have a message from the president and I don't rail on him that much. And I don't, and I'm not going to rail on him here. This is just what happened. Uh, I'm not bending the truth somehow. And I don't have a, a an ax to grind in a political fight. But when you come out and you tell people that we need to continue, and, and this is what the president did, you need to continue to socially distance yourself. We need to be careful about not bringing this thing back too quickly uh, or bringing ourselves back too quickly together in gatherings. Because if we do that, if we do that, then this thing could come storming back. And we've seen this happen in other parts of the world, and it's happening in Asia right now as we speak. Uh, and we'll see what happens in China. We'll see what happens in places like South Korea. But then we'll also see what happens in Sweden. That's a very interesting story that we don't have time to get into. But, but then that same week, and he doesn't drink, so you can't blame it on whiskey because his brother was an alcoholic, died an early death, so he's never drank. He's not a drinker. You, 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 you see people in the streets, not a lot of people. The media will make you think there's a lot of people in the streets. They're not. The majority of Americans, there's a poll that came out today. The majority of Americans would rather stay at home, stay safe, their families and friends stay safe. And if that means losing a business, losing a house, uh, losing something, and they're all probably going to lose something here. In order to gain, we're going to lose in order to gain, to gain our health. I put that mask on as I, as, as I did that horrible poetry a couple of weeks ago. I put that mask on for my son. I put that mask on because I love Ron. I put that mask on because I love my neighbor, Emily. That's why I wear the mask, because they believe now that there could be up to 60% of us uh, 
uh, of the infected could be uh, asymptomatic. And yet we could sit here and be a carrier and pass that on. So the mass says, I value you. I value your life. And I am willing to stay at home in order for you to have a bigger, better, and fuller life. And, but when you look at this, when you, when you, if you turn on the news, and this is where you have to be careful, and you see 100 idiots in Minnesota with American flags taken to the streets, and that loops over and over and over again on Fox and MSNBC and CNN. And I have, I have not watched Fox, MSNBC, uh, or CNN. I haven't watched any of them since this all started. I disconnected all of them. I don't get any of my news from them because those aren't news sources. Those are opinion shows that are driving ratings and revenue. And the way that you do that is you create a divide. You do that by someone going to the left, someone going to the right, we'll crossfire, beat the hell out of each other, get some great ratings, and we'll high-five in the green room. So I just, I think the message from the president has not been very clear, and he is the messenger to the world. And when you get on your Twitter device and you encourage these people to uh, take to the streets, and then you bash these governors uh, for not opening up business... I, I don't blame people, Ron, for being confused. There, there's, yeah, great, to, there's great confusion about this right now. So. And to kind of close the loop that we started the show, you have Bill Gates saying he's the second largest funding source of the WHO, the World Health Organization. And you have the United States saying, oh, well, I'm now, I'm not going to, we're not going to contribute anymore. And so Bill Gates is like, no, this is a good thing. And they save a lot of lives. So now you have politics being blended with world health and people bashing bill gates and threatening his life and being ugly and trolling him online because he's helping the world health organization like those sort of things are all connected and you know pardon me i know he's the richest man in the world but i don't think he should being fearful of his life because he's giving away hundreds of millions of dollars to the WHO. That is ridiculous. And that you can draw a straight line to what you just talked about. Yeah. So let's close here. Episode 93. Thanks for stopping by you guys brought to you by Les Schwab. We really appreciate you. And again, we're broadcasting on a picture perfect day in the great specific Northwest. And we hope uh, you get um, outside today to walk the dog around the block or to sit across the street from your neighbor in a lawn chair. I saw some people doing that down in Maple Valley online, and I'm like, that looks pretty fun. They were having a barbecue, and everybody is on the edges of their driveways. Uh, I absolutely love that. Speaking of Bill Gates, uh, and I'm always late to the stuff on Netflix, and I know a lot of you guys would probably watch this, uh, but there's something called Bill's Brain. It's a three-part series. And if you have a moment, watch it. Um, he is, he does have an incredible brain. When he gets on a plane, they hand him a book bag of 14 to 15 books, the size of encyclopedias. And by the time he comes back from that trip, uh, many times he has read most of those books. He is naturally curious. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I am, I am rooting for him and all of us right now. I wrote this, uh, put this on my Facebook page uh, the other day. Uh, in fact, it was yesterday. He says, happy Saturday, you guys. You know, I've been thinking a lot about time. Uh, last time I built a rocket was with my older brother when we were boys. Such important memories. And this is because my son and I were uh, building rockets on Saturday. So I asked myself a question in my journal the other day. Don, 
what are you doing with your gift of time? What are you watching? What are you learning? What are you reading? What are you engaging in? And then Don, how are you helping? You know, there's a lot of good research that says when we help others, it relieves us of stress, anxiety, pain, and rage. In fact, one of my great mentors once told me that you always want to be the dumbest person in the room because that drives curiosity, it drives learning, and it drives your own personal growth. So I would love to have a seat in the room with one of the most curious minds of our generation. I revisited this series last night about Bill's Brain, which is on Netflix. And at the end of the three-part series, they go over some of the biggest failures and challenges, including his 10-year mission to eliminate fossil fuels with a nuclear power plant that he helped fund. But it hasn't happened yet. It's been a decade. It hasn't happened yet. He's also spent billions to eliminate polio. But there were 33 cases in the world last year, as I shared at the top of the show. So guess what? He hasn't done it yet. But he did acknowledge as he gets older, he's losing something that he can't even buy as one of the richest men in the world. It's the gift of time. He's announced that he's building seven factories to help invent, create, and scale a worldwide vaccine. He knows that these factories may never be used, but he's building them anyway. He explains that those facilities have to be built now in order to scale and save lives over the next two years. His mission is to give people something back that is actually, in many ways, it's already been given to us through this pandemic. Yes, it's a thing you can't buy, you can't borrow, you can't steal, even if you're one of the richest men in the world. Yeah, it's the gift of time. So enjoy your time today. It's such a precious and limited resource. Ron and I are sending love to all of you and all your families. G-Force and I are going to go try to launch these rockets today. So look out because you may hear, incoming! Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Ron and Don Show. And Bill. May this be your finest hour yet. And well, I saw her today at the reception. a footloose man Now you can't always get what you want Now you can't always get what you want Now you can't always get what you want But if you try sometimes You just might find You get what you need Get what you need. So I went down to the demonstration. All right, you guys, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Everything's at ronanddon.com. That's episode 93. Don't forget the show drops every Monday. 
Wednesday and Thursday to sign up for the newsletter. Go to ronanddon.com. As I said, keep your head up, your shoulders back. We'll see you next time right here on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thank you.